giant Eminem. 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 Slim Shady. You and I have been penting up all of our <sighs> conversational ideas. This is um, this is a tough one, dude. This is really tough. Uh, okay, so for anybody listening, before you go any further, I highly recommend that you go back and listen to our first episode. Okay? And the big question we decided to launch this podcast with was, is Eminem relevant in 2017? Now, I mentioned the last pod that as a result of asking that question, he's become incredibly relevant in our lives. And I'm hoping this is the last time we're going to talk about Eminem for a good while. And I'm sure anybody listening is also hoping for that same thing. So this, we're just going to get it all out today, Jay. Um, Revival dropped. And we've had a chance to listen to it over the weekend. And um, we're going to talk about the final lead up to the album. I think we're going to talk about our thoughts on the music. I think it's safe to say. And maybe what we think is going to happen with Eminem, whether with our fandom or with him as a person, we don't know. Um, Do you want to jump into it? Let's jump. Okay. Jay, why don't you take us through uh, the last couple of weeks of what Eminem has been up to? Let's just, right before we do that, you know, this is only episode four. People don't know us yet. This is true. This is Brown Kids. It's Mad Witty, son. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So, the context. So, listen to episode one, and then tune in. Uh, basically, Eminem was promoting the album with the assistance of Paul Rosenberg, and they did a slow rollout. Um, This is important because in 2017, big names, big brands like Eminem don't need to do these slow rollouts. The revival ad in an Instagram post that led into people calling this number, zooming in on the picture, figuring out like, oh, this is like a fake supplement with like, maybe this is the Eminem album. Right. Um, and there was a lot of hype around that, which was cool. That was, that was, that was intriguing. They stole that from Jay-Z, by the way. The 444 rollout was the exact same thing. Oh, it's a billboard. What does that number mean? We don't know. Oh my gosh, it's in Times Square or whatever. Yeah, they stole that from Jay. Which makes sense. Uh, you know, because Jay does things big. He does. And then they started to talk about the album like in a, this circumferential way. Um, even when he went to go promote the album, he sort of like pretended like they're not talking about the album. Album? What album? Which was so annoying. <laughs> and they, you know, gave us a release date. And what's what's ridiculous is just like, first of all, in 2017, there are not supposed to be leaks. It's kind of crazy. That should took me not back be a to like thing. 2009. I'm like, oh, an album is on like the internet to go download? Who downloads albums anymore? But okay. Yeah, and Eminem's marketing team decided to not just put it on Spotify the next day. Yeah, so to clarify, if anyone doesn't know, um, Eminem had planned to drop on Friday, but earlier this week, I believe it was on Tuesday. Is that right? Wednesday. Wednesday? Uh, no, you're right. It is Wednesday. Um, someone, somewhere, got a copy of it and uploaded it to the internet. And I'm sure a ton of people downloaded it illegally. I won't say if anyone recording this podcast did that, but I'm just saying it was out there. And uh, the team decided to just go ahead with a normal release date. They waited the two days and put it out 
on Friday as planned. And uh, Jay, I think it's safe to say we disagree with that strategy. The whole strategy, really. Um, they could have done the little billboard Instagram post idea and have people get all hyped up. And then they should have just turned around and dropped the album like a week later. Yeah. Like the, the hype level was bonkers at that point because he dropped the BET freestyle. It was clear like he was back in the game. He was ready to do something and make a statement, which really in a lot of ways was super exciting. That's why we had a whole podcast asking the question about whether Eminem was relevant. Yep. I think um, he squandered a lot of that goodwill. The whole reason we referred to him in the first place, I think he squandered that whole excitement level with the freestyle, with the first single, even, uh, Walk on Water. Even though it wasn't super well-received universally, like it sparked some interest. Uh, and he had that SNL performance, which was very much hyped going into it there are also mixed reactions (laughs) to that performance but if you want to pull a big hip-hop move in 2017 what you do is you do those three things drop your album okay have you learned nothing from beyonce and kendrick and jay-z like you just put it out bro like if you're a hip-hop elite member still which i think given even everything we're going to say today i think he still is that he should do that and he didn't do that He, he wasted it wasted it and annoyed a bunch of his fans in the process yeah yeah which is the last thing you want to do when you're on the back end of your prime i don't know that's stretching the truth back end implies that you're still in it Mm -hmm. it does imply that (laughs) so i I take that back yeah patrick's already making false statements (laughs) that's the love seeping through still the m love inside of me is is still coming out let's i think before we dive because I know what y'all are waiting for. You're waiting for that track-by-track breakdown. (laughs) You want us to weigh in on revival and what it is. I want to talk just briefly, because I think this does provide important context. Eminem the person at this moment in his career. Um, So Marshall Bruce Mathers III. Ooh, the full title. Full title. We're going to talk about the person. Um, Who is he right now, Patrick? I have no idea. I think he wants it that way. Fair enough. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Are you gonna I'm break gonna, it down? I'm gonna, gonna guess. <laughs> okay. All right. Go for it. Paul will be very unhappy with you doing this, but go for it. Yeah, I don't even understand Eminem's relationship with Paul. <laughs> I think that at this point, Marshall as a person is just doing what he knows. He knows how to rhyme. This is what he's always been good at, and what is important to him, I think. As a person, I don't think he particularly cares too much what people want him to be, what people need him to be. He wants to express himself, um, and he's always been good at expressing himself through rhymes. And notice I'm saying rhymes and not through hip-hop, not through rap even, per se. Um, He's been good at it through rhymes. The dude is undeniably, at this point, one of hip-hop's most sophisticated rhymers of all time. Like, I think, undisputably. Agreed. So, I think this is what he cares about. This is, when he goes into the booth now, he has this idea of what brought him to success in the past, and he has this idea of who he is and what he's good at, and he is uncomfortable with breaking out of what he's good at. 
I think he's really nervous about doing things that move against the grain of what he has excelled at. And so he is stuck in the past in some ways. And with all of that, with all of this knowledge about Marshall, I think that also he is in a really good place in his life. He's not a huge part of the spotlight anymore. I think that he probably, you know, while still being like a huge figure in mainstream media um, and in mainstream music, is not at his prime, as we've, as we've mentioned. And he's cool with that. And he's cool with making a little bit of money and putting out music when he cares about it, which is why he's not putting out an album every year. He could do that. He could drop a really shitty album every year and he could still make a lot of money. True. And he doesn't do that, which is, which is cool. I respect that. And when you hear him talking on these interviews, like as frustrating as his responses are, he sounds like he's kind of happy. Like he's just doing his thing. Yeah, he does. And I respect that for him as a person. And I'm glad that he's in a place where he's been able to maintain sobriety and that he's like abstained from relapsing and that he's there for his daughter and that he wants to provide. I think all of those things are relevant and important context right before we dive. This is true. Okay. I accept all that. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Patrick accepts this this offering of the context of Eminem the person. Because context is important. I mean, you know, I think that's a through line through everything we talk about on this show. Like, that's one of our main purposes as podcasters, I think, is to provide context to a lot of what's happening in these subjects. So I appreciate you dropping all that about Marshall Bruce Matters the third. (laughs) So can we talk about revival, though? Because I'm a little salty and eager. You're itching. I'm itching. I'm, Let's go. I'm itching. Okay. First of all, I want to give props to you, Jay, because you're 100% right about Walk on Water. It not only made the album, it was the intro. And uh, you don't just drop a B feature, you know? Like, you don't just cut that from the record. Although, I did find out, uh, maybe you saw this, that Adele was supposed to be the person who sang that hook, but she couldn't do it because she, like, heard her voice or something. Um, so they had to replace her. My jaws dropped. <laughs> Jay is a gape. So listening to that song, well, let me first say, when I heard the album, I skipped Walk on Water the first time I played it, because I'd heard it so many times before. I'm like, oh, I got this. You know, it's in my brain. So then I started with Believe, and, um... Do you still believe? <laughs> uh, okay, um... I'm glad you said that because he needs to stop doing this weird, um, I don't even know what you, this modulation that he does to his voice when he wants to put emphasis on a word. He did the same thing with Phenomenal um, a couple years ago. And it's it's not, anybody who wants to hear Phenomenal, go back and listen to just the, just the, the chorus. I am it's terrible don't listen to that track watch the movie though it needs the help um shout out to jake gyllenhaal wherever you at bro so i started with believe but if you want to talk about walk on water we can talk about that i know we kind of touched on it in the first episode we can skip it if you want to i think it's worth mentioning again okay all right what do you want to say about it 
So it's relevant because it, again, as Eminem the person and Eminem the artist kind of puts him in context of where he's at, um, his own frustration with his writing process. Hearing about that and going into the album, you set an expectation. And and so I knew that he was going to have that track be part of the album. And I wish he had it as part of the album and as an opening statement for what the album was going to be. Yeah, I thought it was when I saw it was the intro, which is kind of why I skipped it. I'm like, oh, I know where he's going with all of this. The transition into Believe, which I get, this dude has always struggled with his own self-assuredness and his own lack of self-esteem. Absolutely. Which is why, looking at the track list again, I like that he put those back to back because it encompasses that cognitive dissonance he has in his mind of like, I'm amazing. I've done these really cool things, but also I don't know if people always recognize that. Maybe I'm sort of a fraud. Have I lost it? All that stuff. He's always battling those two ideas in his brain. So that was a cool concept. It was a cool concept. Believe, I will say, I one of the things I'm glad for is that Eminem did the hook. You still believe in me. I agree about the modulation of the voice, but this album is scarce with Eminem hooks. Yes. Marshall Mathers LP, The Eminem Show. These are albums that established that Eminem was one of the rappers that knew how to do a chorus. Yes. Oh. That's gone now. I miss Marshall choruses. I really do. They were amazing. They were. Have you heard Drama Setter? Yeah. <laughs> that was rhetorical. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks for answering that. Uh, yeah. It made the rhetorical question land super well. <laughs> Um, okay, but I want to say about Believe that despite its annoying Believe thing, I thought it was a good compromise about what you and I had talked about as far as what does Eminem hope to achieve over the course of a song? What does he want to convey to a listener? And I thought he was able to carry a theme over from the end of the opener of Walk on Water and then sort of give you an entire song about how he's saying... I'm getting mixed reactions to things, but yo, I've I've done so much for you that you need to appreciate what I'm trying to do now. Like, you need to cut me some slack here, guys. Like, I'm still dope, okay? <laughs> like, you might not be super into everything that I'm doing, but I've given you at least three classic albums. Like, stay with me. And I was into that. I was into that. Like, even... I'm not even hating on the song. I think the song is fine. It It could have used an executive producer who wasn't semi-retired to maybe punch it up a little bit but um it's cool for the most part it's cool i like what he has to say i even liked the uh i mean i'm, I'm i have a softy for jokes about social welfare <laughs> i thought the wick I line loved was that <laughs> the line. wick line is pretty good you know uh i was like okay that's, that's what's up only counting time bombs and horseshoes so i do not bomb shit thick, 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 no remorse screw it i'm lit and that attitude i blew up on quick that's why they called me firecracker i grew up on wick 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 with a short fuse um when i when i first went to look at that uh the lyrics on genius and i have not looked up most of the record i'm gonna put that out there 
um i was just curious to see like if they caught that at that point it was like very early in yeah. the album drop and they hadn't caught it yet and it was just like they typed it out as w-i-c-k and i was like y'all didn't get it y'all didn't get it, <laughs> it i'm looking at it now it has been corrected someone yeah. came along who I'm knows sure. what wick is right and uh i was like yeah wick with a short fuse i like that that was good i i i really enjoyed that um and so i mean i think overall i mean what we're saying about believe like it matched well and emphasized the dichotomy between walk on water and who he wants us to perceive him as and that in fact he does still have a lot of fans and that's that's awesome for him totally and i think um walk on water and believe together are the introduction to the album that's what he intended it to be so i I almost wish they were on the same song instead of like back-to-back songs um but that's okay now my problem comes in where he follows the introduction with chloroseptic Instinctive nature to bring the anguish yeah. to the English language with this ink you haters get wrote on like a piece of paper. This rap shit got me traveling place to place. You barely leave your house because you're always stuck at your pad. It's stationary. Take Look, it away, Jay. <laughs> so let's pause for a second. So on this interview that Eminem just did with Shade 45, he says that he recorded 40 to 50 songs. This album has 20 songs on it. It does. I mean, like 19, it's 19 and a couple but... of interludes, whatever. It's still like 17 full songs. 25%, 30%, or whatever the math is here, too many percent of his songs end up on the album. Agreed. I think that this is a reflection of Eminem. He is so proud of himself. He believes so much in himself. He can't let go of tracks. He can't just have them not be part of his discography and i wish i so wish he had the artistic vision to be able to let songs go right this is why i knew walk on water was going to be on the album and it's why i wish he had the foresight to have cut half this album man could you imagine eminem dropping an album that was 10 songs long can you imagine if this album had been 10 songs Gosh, just to have a theme about revival, make it 10 songs, oh and he's back. Oh my god, it would have been incredible. And the, I think as we go through, we will outline like in certain ways how this could have been accomplished, even with the current track list. Absolutely. Chloroseptic would not have made that cut. No. As soon as, so this, for those who don't know, this is the song that 2 Chains was supposed to be on. It, that, that's the rumor. And 2 Chains did not make the album at all. Uh, he seemed a little disappointed in that. I think he posted something on Instagram being like, uh, what? But once that wasn't going to happen, he should have scrapped the whole song. It it does. It's not even a good look for Fresher, who's being featured on the chorus, which was a weird like Blueprint 3 when Jay-Z had like Kid Cudi and Drake on it. Everyone's like, oh, Kid Cudi and Drake are going to be on it. And they just did hooks on the album. Um, that, was, that was a dope hook, though. That can be discussed at a later date. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it w- I don't even think Fresher looks better for having done this song. Like, he can say I did a song with Eminem, but I don't think it put him on in any sort of way. And the song itself is, you know, lyrical acrobatics, I guess, over, I don't know, like a, a two-star beat. Is that fair to say? Lyrical yeah. acrobatics is just, like, it's the perfect encapsulation of, again, coming back to what Eminem is good at. And why this 
this track made this record. He thinks it's cool what he did. It is cool. Put it on a fucking mixtape. <laughs> okay, can I... Um, I want to interrupt and say, going back to context, there are two people that I kind of blame in a macro sense for what is going on with Eminem. One of them is Jay-Z and the other is Lil Wayne. I knew this before I saw the interview or listened to the interview um, yesterday, but the interview that you referred to, that Shade 4-5 interview, that he really respects Jay-Z and the way that he lays out his artistic work. What I, I think he failed to see, he copied the promotional rollout, but he didn't look at how he releases songs and the kinds of songs he chooses to make. And for those who don't know this either, if you go back to the Watch the Throne sessions, they had an album done. Jay-Z and Kanye had an album done within a few weeks, but they scrapped it. And the reason they did that is because it was just us rapping for like an hour and nobody wants to hear it just us like rapping for an hour. Like it needs to be songs and a project that makes sense and fits a cohesive theme. So they remade the album like two or three times until that was achieved and dropped a classic, which I know we're going to talk about someday. But Eminem does, oh, has overlooked that. That's one. Two, with Lil Wayne, I know there's a period in between like 08 and 2010 where he was just in love with Lil Wayne and Lil Wayne was in love with him. They even worked together a couple of times. That's on albums that we have already discussed. We're not going to talk about that. But if you listen to the way Eminem delivers punchlines now, it's very mixtape Lil Wayne style where he uses the word like way too much, like to describe something that is super corny. And it's really unfortunate. Like if you go Meet back- Meet her like a taxi. <sighs> Meet her like a taxi. Exactly. And I blame Wheezy for that. I really do. Because he blew up off of that kind of style. I be grinding on them hoes like a half pipe. She say, don't you, you the shit you need your ass wipe. I say, before you gas me up, check the gas price. Then I make her take this dick like advice. <laughs> and- it's strange because Eminem's flow evolves over time, but that has stuck around for the better part of a decade now, and I, I don't fully understand that. At least he stopped, like, pausing the beat after he drops punchlines like that. That's true. I'm glad for that. That's true. It's not as terribly corny. Although he has that degrees line on one of the songs when he says zero. <laughs> I forget what the reference is, but it's something about how cold he is, is how many degrees he's gotten in his lifetime, and the answer is zero. He's zero degrees. That's how cold he is as a rapper. Not high school grad, I'm not a scholar, but I'm so cold when I'm dropping now my degrees is the same as I got in college. Zero. But nobody's hotter, you owe me my respect, I owe you not. So, that's a problem. And that is, um, that's all over this album, that's why I bring it up. And it does, um, it takes away, so for those of you listening wondering why we're making such a point of this... It again, when it comes back to the rapping versus the art of hip hop, it takes away because, I mean, it's corny, it's silly. What depth does it actually add? Like, that stuff belongs in hip hop culture and it belongs in a certain space. When you are making a thematic point, I am back, I am here, I am revived. Saying I'm meter like a taxi completely undercuts that point. Mm. Um, and I wish Eminem saw that in this way. He doesn't. Um, and again, it goes back to the context of who he is and what he cares about. And then what does he go into after Chloroseptic, though? So, okay, so he has the intro. Y'all may not like this, but I'm going to do me. Stay with me. And then he goes into Chloroseptic, which is like, okay, that's sort of like the old you, but not as good. And then he jumps into... Untouchable. Untouchable. So... Uh, 
This was released as a pseudo second single. Yeah, because Walk on Water did very poorly, so they put out the second single as quickly as they could. Walk on Water didn't do great, and then they put out Untouchable, and this was like, the internet was like, oh shit, okay, Eminem's gonna be woke. Mm -hmm. There were mixed reactions for a variety of reasons. Let's talk about them. Let's. So, for those of you who have or have not heard the track, uh, brief summary. Eminem talks about being a white cop in a black neighborhood and profiling black men. This is an important point. This is a good thing for a variety of different people to be talking about and to be engaging their communities about. Cool. Cool. Um, And then he talks about the perspective from a black man in that same neighborhood Mm -hmm. being profiled by white cops. Again, cool. A point that needs to be made. And again, content-wise... I'm glad Eminem felt compelled to write about this. I'm 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 really glad that he felt like this was important enough to put on his album. Me too. <laughs> I'm pausing to let you start to weigh in and provide additional perspective. Okay. Patrick. Okay. I mean, I initially had so I when the song came out, I listened to it two times and was fighting every urge to text you about my thoughts on the song. I was a little, I felt a little targeted uh, that this was the song that they were like trying to redeem the rollout with of like, no, guys, listen, listen, listen. <laughs> M cares about what's happening to the black community. Okay, don't leave us. So I was like, all right, cool. At first, I want to talk about the production of the song, which speaking of being undercut, there's a Cheech and Chong sample in the chorus which is just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. So it just undermines the message as a whole as like something he takes seriously because clearly if he doesn't take the song seriously how seriously can he take the issue i mean you know props to the captain america line which is probably the one line in the song that i actually think is solid don't gotta read comics or be that in the characters just to see that just to be black you better be strapped with a danger or be captain america like steve rogers um it's a solid punchline it's a solid punchline I just, I'm not entirely sure what he hoped to accomplish because the, if you look at the theme of um, his rhyme scheme throughout the song, it's very stilted in the, for the first half for part one um, about white America. And he's sort of like playing with words again and playing with sounds and delivery and sort of making it a little silly, which goes with the, the silly Cheech and Chong chorus. And the second part, when he's doing the black half, he takes it a little more seriously. Um, his delivery is a little more like early aughts. Eminem where it's just like a steady flow of words and like a solid it's a solid idea he's not so much trying to get the wordplay in there which I appreciated but I don't think it actually achieved anything and in the way that I feel like at least white privilege too which we discussed was you know somewhat thought-provoking and he he takes it into spaces that black people aren't and he's like no yeah I'm benefiting from white privilege in these ways and Eminem is just sort of like on the sidelines saying like Yo, I, I watched the news too, guys. This is messed up, right? And like, yeah, Em, it's messed up. <laughs> what you doing about it, bro? And he's like, 
man, it's hard to be white sometimes, you know, like it's embarrassing. Cool. And what? Exactly. And that's it. That's all the song is about. And, and what though? This ties back into our last conversation about white privilege. And in some ways, Eminem is cognizant of it and then doesn't know exactly what to do with it. So he makes the song. He wants to emphasize that he thinks that this is messed up. And I think it I think in some ways I, I hope that he sounds silly in the first couple of verses because he thinks that the racist views of white cops are like ridiculous. Um which is fine, but this is a serious problem. Mm-hmm. Um and those racist views and implicit and at times extremely explicit biases of these cops results in dead black men um and that's really a huge problem and it makes you wish that he had like taken both sides of that song extremely seriously and it could have resulted in an incredible an incredible track this theme this idea has so much potential and an Eminem of a different time maybe would have executed this differently i also think about so shout out to ashley and ian second time um yeah they're all over this pod they're all over this pod i texted them with this song i was like what y'all think because they are my favorite white woke friends um i love them every brown person needs uh some favorite white woke friends if you don't have any get yourself some get yourself some they're they are a good they're good people to talk to and bounce things off of and they were they highlighted something that i didn't think about initially they're like is it cool that eminem took on the voice of a black man and I was like, huh. I mean, it's such a common thing in hip-hop to, like, take on other voices and to, like, narrate for other people. But Eminem has ready access to Dr. Dre, to Kendrick Lamar, to pretty much any rapper that he wanted. Ooh, that is such a brilliant idea. To, like, take it, like, Guilty Conscience style and make this oh i'm so mad now that's a brilliant idea ashley and ian man. Uh, ashley and ian shout out to you deserve that shout out that jay dropped oh man that was good and so i think about man what if eminem had walked up to kendrick because first of all kendrick is our favorite most thoughtful so amazingly cogent rapper and artist absolutely and they have Can, a working history already they have a working history they made a terrible song together they did um, can you imagine if Eminem walked over to Kendrick and was like, yo, I got this idea. Yo, black people are getting shot and I'm mad about it. And Kendrick would be like, yo, yeah, let's talk about it. And can you imagine if they had worked together on this idea, on this execution, on this project? Oh my God. All of the failures of Joyner Lucas's I'm Not Racist, all of the failures of this song Untouchable would have been avoided if he had included Kendrick in this conversation and brought him into the fold. Wow. Now my jaw has been dropped. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think about that. That's such a brilliant idea. And there are so many voices in the room. I mean, M talked about... I mean, Dr. Dre has executive produced this album, in case people don't know that. He took all these songs to Dre. And the fact that Dre, who also has a working relationship with Kendrick Lamar, he is signed to his label, was not like, yo should put Kendrick on the song bro like I think that would really punch it up it would achieve what you're trying to do here he didn't say that nobody brought this up I mean at least that we know of if it did it's even more egregious that it didn't actually happen I'm I'm hurt <laughs> by the omission tell you the truth I think that man 
Man, I'm so depressed right now. Thanks a lot, Jay. You're welcome. Uh, it gives you an idea of where we're taking you today. <sighs> okay, so... I just want to pause. Any, anything else you want to say about yeah, Untouchable? So one more thing before we move on. Go for it. This is a musical shit show. This song oh my is musically a train wreck. And so, like, the rhyme schemes are cool or whatever. He's trying to say something, like, with with a meaning. And, like, he's got a cogent concept here, which is awesome. Damn, man. This song is a musical mess. This There's no consistency. I get the idea. Like, okay, here's this one perspective. So this is a different beat. Here's a second perspective. Here's a different beat. I'm going to spin these two different ways. All right, whatever. Dude, your pick of the beats and, like, how you execute it, this is a mess. time out and talk about Eminem's ear for beats really quickly it has a not a great track record historically anyway now it helps your credibility when your first couple of albums are heavily produced by Dr. and in his prime Dr. Dre okay then Eminem like is stealing tricks from Dre starts producing his own songs and his his production is hit or miss. You know, for every like rap game and eight mile beat, there's like a drips or everything he did on relapse. <laughs> uh, so his his ear is not solid, which is why it's important to have relevant voices in the room when you're creating a project like this. Especially if you're an artist like M who knows he is obsessed with the way words work. He's not obsessed with the way sonics work. You just have to figure out the, the science to breaking down words and try to... And do you think about this throughout the day? I mean, driving <clears throat> along, you think about rhyming words? Yeah, all day. Yeah, I actually drive myself insane with it. But it's interesting, I mean, for a guy who hated school, who, you know, was in the ninth grade three times, you, you spend all your time thinking about words. And I, I found that no matter how bad I was at school, like, and no matter how low my grades might have been at, at, at some times, I always was good at English. But I, I heard that you used to read the dictionary. I just felt like I, I want to be able to have all these words at my disposal in my vocabulary at all times, whenever I need to pull them out. You know, somewhere they'll be stored, like locked away. He, he's only interested in how they relate to each other as far as how can I fit my words over this beat, not how do I conceptualize this music as words. Does that make sense, Jay? makes so much sense and it comes back to the limitations that Eminem has in his vision about albums and themes so to tie into another project that dropped on Friday Jeezy's song featuring Kendrick and J. Cole and like you know this is like oh Kendrick and J. Cole people are excited it's like oh my god they're gonna go at each other like with their verses and like oh let's get hype and Kendrick comes in onto this song in which he's featured and, and Kendrick has had a problem in the past of steamrolling when he's featured. And what he does on this song, he barely drops drops anything verse-wise. And, and I, could, I could have done with more. But damn, man, this is so Kendrick th these days. Like, he knows what he's doing. You only got to say a few things and just let the impact hit. You don't have to crowd your verse with words. Um, and Eminem only knows how to do that. He does not understand the value of stepping back and letting the music have its say or letting these few words like repeat themselves a few times or 
what if I only drop one verse on this whole song and like scatter it out through the song in like these different ways? Um, no, it's got to be three verses and a chorus three times, and maybe there's a bridge. And if there's a bridge, yo, that's a that's a that's a that's a change up. <laughs> it really is though. He doesn't have a great grasp on how to use negative space with music. He, I, I don't know why that is because he's worked with really talented producers who do have a grasp about that. So I don't know where, where that's lost or he just pushes back against that. But I think, I think it's a problem. Well put. It's a problem. Um, and I know I've read about Swizz talking about working with J&M and the differences and that Eminem really micromanages the beat process. And I think that that plays a role in all of this. Man, okay. Sorry, that was a brief timeout just to talk about why so much. Because I, I don't want to touch on every song and why it's sonically terrible. That's why. M just has no concept of how to corral positive sonics for his words. I wish that weren't the case, but it is. Which speaks to how lucky Eminem was to have Dr. Dre in his prime producing for him. And that we might not even be talking about Eminem today if Dr. Dre had not produced for him for three straight albums. Oh, preach. All right, mm. let's keep moving. Let's let's keep it going. So I, I want to... So the next song is River, also known as the Ed Sheeran song. Oh, is that officially a single? I mean, I think it's like on YouTube as like an audio version. I think okay, that means it's all right. Single. I'm gonna group this song with uh, a few others because it's the first in a long line of nondescript romantic disputes that Eminem has decided to really double down on with this record. So if we skip over some songs later, that's why. I'm just going to say this is another one of those songs that's a nondescript romance. Um, Let's group them together. So this is the first one. The Ed Sheeran part isn't even that bad. Like, I think it's it would be great on a different song. Uh, or if Eminem decided to not do what he did. I'm going to be real. Go ahead. I love the Ed Sheeran chorus. Like, I'm down with it. It's a solid chorus. I was ready to hate on it, but it's pretty solid. It's, it's pretty good. Um, but let's, yeah, okay, so let's talk about which things we're going to group together. Um, okay. I think River and at least Tragic Endings can be grouped together. Shall we throw in Nowhere Fast and Need Me, which is the Kalani in pink? River, Remind Me. Oh, no, I don't think you can put Remind Me in that. No, no. I'm putting I've got, I've got, no, I've got other things to say about Remind okay, Me. Okay, okay, okay. Tragic Endings, Need Me. Yep, those are the ones. Okay. We're, right, we're, so, gonna, we're just going to skip all those. Okay, so River, Tragic Endings, and Need Me. Let's talk about them. Okay, man, it, I don't want to repeat what we said in the first episode because we went into why this is a problem for Eminem and how he details romance or interactions with women. And nothing's really changed. I mean, I didn't expect him to be more detailed about his personal life and who these people are, if they even exist. They but don't exist. There is no way they can't. these are real. Right? Okay. They're not real. And, and actually, during that Shade 45 interview, they talk about... Um, one of the people talks about how they like River because this is Eminem like going into like n- like narrative fictional hip hop and I'm like that's not narrative hip. Go listen to Keisha's song on Section Eighty if you want narrative hip hop. Go there. Exactly, exactly. Man, Kendrick is such a great parallel because he's someone that is currently doing what Eminem did so well when he was in his prime, which is making songs that are pop enough for casual audiences to latch onto, but also are like real hip hop songs that hip hop heads dig. And Eminem himself says he's not in competition with his generation, he's in competition with every generation. So that I think it's fair to compare Kendrick's output to Eminem's in this way. So the problem 
lies in that M hasn't changed the way he talks about these fake relationships. So even if you want to, because going back to Kendrick, he tells stories that are not of him necessarily, but he has witnessed them. Other people in his life who've gone through things. A lot of artists do this. You can't just talk about your life all the time. You know, you draw inspiration from everywhere. And if Eminem wants to do that, like he's seen his homie go through something or he heard something in his old neighborhood, he wants to tell that story. That's totally cool. But the way that he goes about it, it's so formulaic when you've seen this from him for the better part of a decade again. I'm not sure what he wants to achieve with it. It's usually something like, we're not good for each other, we're abusive to one another in some kind of way. Sometimes I like that, sometimes I don't. It ultimately doesn't work out, or I end up killing you, or something. You know, and it's like, uh, okay. Um, that was like kind of edgy back in 2002. 2017, not only is it mostly not coup, I mean, it never was coup, but the fact that he's still doing it is pretty not coup. Um, it's also not interesting, which, you know, artistically is even worse. Exactly that. Um, those thoughts, exactly. I mean, like, we got Love the Way You Lie. Everyone listened to it. We thought it was coup. It was like bringing a light onto domestic violence because Rihanna was on the hook. And now it's 2017. He's still doing the same thing. We get it. You've been in an abusive relationship. And maybe it's been problematic, but I'm bored. So and bored. I'm, I'm sorry to say that because, you know, again, lyrical acrobatics, there's some cool rhyme schemes. He is undisputably a fantastic rhymer. Cut all of these tracks. Just Dude. cut them all. I'm, One, you know two, what three. I'm... Now we're already down to 16 tracks. Oh, cut, Perfect. cut chloroseptic. We're, we're down to 15. 15. This is, we're going in the right direction. And if you want a nondescript romance on the album, you don't need four of them. You just just keep one, just you know, because I'm, I'm that probably satisfies some section of his audience that wants to hear it. Yeah, I'm people are listening to this and and keep that Sheeran one because you know that that hook was dope. Totally, I have mixed feelings about Ed Sheeran as a person, but that hook was solid. It's really it's really good. Can I tell you one more thing that I was wishing for? Please. Um, because only Kanye is this intelligent and would have thought about this. So, of course, Eminem didn't. Uh, but Ed Sheeran likes to rap. He does. He's not good at it. No. But how cool would it have been if like Eminem worked with Ed Sheeran and like kind of coached him and had an Ed Sheeran feature that wasn't Sheeran singing and it instead was like a Sheeran rap feature? Like, that would have been really unique. It would have been cool. And if it was executed properly, people would have been like, oh, shit. Which is, like, kind of how people reacted when Kanye had a Vic Mensa feature and Vic was singing. Right. And people were like, oh, shit. So well, too. A quick aside about the features on the album. That was a big deal when the features came out. As, like, the track list was released, the internet reacted to all the features that they saw. And um, I wasn't, I was only disappointed that I didn't see rap people on it. I wasn't really hating too hard on like the pop features because M.M. has been doing this for a minute. And I mean, he had Dido on Marshall Mathers LP, which was not not cool. If that had come out as like a track list on Twitter, people would have been like, Dido, bro? What? And Stan is like one of the greatest songs of all time. So Of all time. Of all time. I feel very confident in saying that. 
So just having Ed Sheeran on a song as an idea is not like a knock against what the song could be. But I'm glad you brought up Kanye because Kanye is the master of using features as paints for his brush. They are not cut and paste. And Eminem or whoever is executive producing his records, Dr. Dre, uh, is just cutting and pasting so many things into an M album. We're going to talk about samples in a second. But when it comes to features, it's just like they even told the story on the interview of how the Ed Sheeran thing came about. It's like they had this hook from Ed Sheeran and built the song around the hook. And that is how River came about. And that's not what it should be. It should be like, I have an idea. This person can help me accomplish this idea. Let's work together. Even if you have to be in the same room, I mean, you email each other. It's like the 20th century way to do it, 21st century way to do that. But that's not what happened. It's a shame. M is so cookie cutter at this point, and that's not where you're supposed to be when you're post, uh, post-hype, when you've passed your prime and you're not like trying to sell singles to 14-year-old girls. Um, you can do whatever you want and take a risk, and he's not doing that. And I think, I think he thinks he is. He's like, oh, look at me. I'm so risque. I've got framed. I've got offended. I've got heat. I've got remind me. Like, I'm so risque. And I think that he's missing the point of, like, what it actually means to take risks. But this comes back to his scope. He's a rhymer. This is what he does. He doesn't see, he doesn't see music in the same way Kendrick does. He doesn't see music in the way that Kanye does. That, like, you so eloquently put earlier... He does not know what to do with the negative space of music. No. And it, I think it's actually corresponded with his trajectory of cultural relevance. Because if you notice, I would say around recovery, his flow has sped up a lot. And he's, he condenses more and more words into his verses. And it's almost like he's just crying out for people to like, no, listen, I still have it, guys. Like, I'm still saying stuff. I'm going to fit twice as many words into this verse. And you're going to love it. Like, remember all that stuff I was saying before? And it that makes me so sad. Because I, I think if you listen to 444, which is the Jay-Z album for anybody who doesn't know that for some reason, he says so little on that album, but everything he says is crucial. And it hits you so hard because it's real. And his flow is it's slower. He's doing it over slower beats. It, it's The recording quality is like purposefully like grainy. And it's supposed to be an honest album. And I think Eminem kind of had an idea of making an honest album on this record. And he kind of touches on some honest things throughout what we're going to talk about in a second. But I just, it goes back to him not knowing what makes Eminem important to people. He's just like, these things hit in the past. I'm going to hit on them again. And hopefully it resonates. So that, I think, is a perfect transition into uh, the next group of songs. Because I think we can group a few together again. Um, so I think that we can group Remind Me, Framed, Heat, and Offended together. Yep. Let's talk about them. Garbage. Yeah. Cut them all. Cut them all. Like, dude, you are a, what, 40-some-year-old man doing horrorcore rap? Stop it. Really? Stop it. Really? You, you have a song pretending that you murdered somebody? That only worked before because you were killing your ex-wife. <laughs> And we knew about the drama that was going on. And, I mean, it's questionable if that was acceptable. I mean, that's a whole separate conversation. But it had meaning. It had heft. You know, we were in on it. We understand that you're going through an emotional, tumultuous time. You're exercising artistically however you want to, right? What is he What is he doing now? Who? Why is he killing someone? 
who who was getting under Eminem's skin at this point where he needs to murder them on a song. And he's also referencing things so old. There's like a Christy Brinkley reference of like who he's like stalking or something like, bro, no one under 35 even knows who Christy Brinkley is. What are you talking about? He talks about this and it really undercut like it undercut some of the times that I've been like, oh, that was a cool like like little diss and like you brought that person in there. And he said he actually doesn't care who he's referencing if they fit into his rhyme scheme that's like what brings them in and i'm just like dude are you serious exactly exactly are you serious oh he he makes a reference to um you, you clearly played closer attention to who he referenced and who justin he justin russ harris who nobody would know if they weren't paying attention to the news four years ago he was just he was a dad who left his kid in the car by accident and the kid like died of heat exhaustion or something like that and he got convicted of some level of murder oh my god yeah that was half a decade ago but eminem drops his full name in a song to reference like something about how he shouldn't be left alone in a nursery or something just like this guy or whatever and i'm like what are you doing dude what are you doing so anyways, um, okay. I'm upset, Jay. I, I know. <laughs> Can you tell? I am, I'm upset too. So like, so first, in, okay, just insultingly, Remind Me has a sample of I Love Rock and Roll and turns that chorus into an abomination. It's terrible. Every sample on this album is terrible. Yeah. So that's frustrating. Bro, but- the Cranberries. I, okay, the Cranberries is one of my favorite bands of all time. Jay probably doesn't listen to them very much because it's like a 90s alternative rock thing. And that's not his scene. That's okay. But uh, Zombie is like an amazing song. And obviously whoever produced that song doesn't really know what Zombie is actually about. (laughs) Uh, It's about, uh, uh, we'll call it a war. It was like a little less than a war, but a conflict in Ireland. And it was very bloody and very meaningful. And the Cranberries turned that into this song called Zombie. And um, Eminem doesn't rap about that at all. It's, it's uh, It's much more literal about in my head. He's like, oh yeah, what's going on in my head? Let me talk about that. And that, so stupid. Again, cut and paste. The, the samples aren't even flipped creatively. It's and I, you know what I blame? Uh, Sing for the moment, which Eminem mostly produced himself. Where he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna cut this 20 uh, second snippet <laughs> uh, from an Aerosmith song, paste it into here, add some drums, boom, people loved it. It's a great song." I still love Sing for the Moment. I think it's it's great. One of my favorite M songs. It's sort of the swan song of his peak. I think it sums up everything he's been going through, what his headspace is at that time, and where he thought he might end up. And that's not what happened. But anyway, that's not important. Since then, on every album, just about, there is one or two of these like classic rock, cut and paste samples, and none of them work. None of them work, man. Just stop it. Stop it. And it was so annoying is that can only happen because his budget is crazy high because he's a bajillionaire. So he can just pay Joan Jett and get that sample cleared because you're Eminem and you have a bajillion dollars. It's really frustrating because, I mean, for a variety of reasons, but also because I wonder if Eminem was even involved in that decision. (sighs) That's a good question. Eminem's involvement in in the full body of work that he puts out 
is a huge question mark for me. I am, I'm so lost in what he wants to do because some songs will sound very self-aware and in other songs, he's just, he's forgotten everything he's ever said that was important or resembling wokenness. Agreed. Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, so let's <laughs> cut all of those. I, just brief plug for Framed real quick. Um, I hate that song content-wise, um, but it is one of the best produced songs on the album. True. Which is also really frustrating. It's like, you heard that beat and you turned it into that? Why? Why? It's one of the best beats on your album. Why did you murder the beat? Why did you murder that song and then write a song about murder? I don't know. I don't know. I thought he had learned his lesson when 3AM came out from Relapse of like, Dude. okay, people don't want to hear the horror core murder people for no reason but songs. What a dope beat. I know. God damn. I know. What a waste. All right. Okay. So those we're gonna, those we're... tracks are gone. They're off of our list again. So we're, what are we down to? That's... uh. One. I want to. What? So we we those offended heat framed and remind me right. So that's four more off. So we're down to eleven yeah. tracks. Yep. Perfect. Great. Um. All right. Let's talk about like home. Do we need to talk about this interlude? I don't really care about it. The revival interlude. Um, is there something important there? All I want to do is shout out Regina Spector for getting her money. <sighs> Shouts to you, Boo. I love Regina Spector so much, and the fact that she's on an Eminem album should be cooler to me than it is. It's not really that cool because it's, again, cut and paste from something that was on a Regina Spector album. Um, I would have preferred to, to actually work with her, cut her a new check, but whatever. Move on. <laughs> all right. So just as a reminder, if we had cut all the things that we said had cut and Untouchable had been different, then we would have had this amazing, dope, woke song, Untouchable, that would have been followed by Like Home. Like Home. Which features yep. Alicia Keys. So, Which probably, in hindsight, should have been the first single. Because the unofficial first single is the Trump freestyle. A great way to follow that up would have been with Like Home, where, again, he touches on Donald. It's, this, it's the second roundhouse to Trump of, like, I haven't forgotten about you, bro. You haven't responded to me yet, but I haven't forgotten about you. The Alicia Keys hook is, like, not the best Keys hook ever. Like, it sounds like they just, like, crushed her voice with some kind of post-production effects i don't know what's going on there i don't know jay what do you think of this song before i even talk about the song let's, let's talk about how frustrating it is that eminem does not have the foresight to think hey you know what i wrote that dope freestyle people really liked it what if i threw that into the album what if that was a part of our album hmm how cool would that have been like and eminem has never put anything acapella into an album i'm racking my brain i think you're right and like if he had untouchable that freestyle and then like home oh oh i i love that i love the way that that sounds in my head so good um but let's talk about like home okay content wise again i love what he was trying to do here you know i'm i'm, I'm appreciating Eminem for the effort there's some cool lines um that like i dig I like that he calls Trump an Aryan from Jump. Like, that's awesome. That's good. And rhyming Aryan with Barium, like, again, this is Eminem doing his rhyming thing. Orange, four-inch, door hinge. 
Let's do it. Love it. God, man. Uh, so that's cool. Um, it falls a little flat. Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. Again, it goes back to the idea of what do you want to accomplish with the song. And um, I think it has a higher ceiling than Untouchable does and did. I think the message in Like Home is a little weaker, or it's weaker than it could be, but I think there's an attempt to say, the goal here is to attack Trump and people who think like him. So at least that's like a thing that a song can kind of accomplish. It's not addressing an issue per se, but it's saying like, look, Trump, you're racist and white supremacist and people who think like you are too, and America is better than that. Like, that's an anthem... And again, Eminem loves anthems. That's an anthem that can resonate with people if done correctly. Um, and I, going back to Eminem copying Jay-Z, this is like his Empire State of Mind song of like, nah, America's great, man. I got Alicia Keys to do the hook on it too. And like, bro, you're just so late. You're so late. Jay-Z adapts with the times, man. These are not just ideas in a vacuum that work eternally. They work within... The context of what's happening in the culture and m is so far removed from the culture which we detailed in that first episode which is one of his biggest problems the only thing he has to go off of is like what does royce to five nine think about this what does mr porter think about this what does paul my manager think about this dre is not super plugged in anymore in fact i mean we just found out he was on a break for the last you know two years so he's not that plugged in either i just feel like he's missing an opportunity to put his fingers on the pulse of what matters to people and because he has a, a lot of good ideas in his brain but he doesn't know how to execute them soundly and i think if he worked with people who were doing that more consistently they could bring it out of him and this is a wasted opportunity again completely agree and being plugged in the culture i think is such a key point and then also being plugged into what the perspective of being a white man in hip-hop provides you when you go after Trump. He is stupidly optimistic in this song. You know, and, and it, arguably in the same way at the end of the Trump freestyle. Um, but, like, it worked. It worked during the Trump freestyle. But a little bit of, like, a reality check um, at the end of the song would have been cool. Like, this is so fucked up, and it might not get better. Yeah. It's too up. It's like, oh, but we're a country. We're together, and we can we can impeach him. Like, <laughs> Yo, man, that's not like about to happen. No, things are not good. No, let's stomach that together. Let, why don't you stomach that a little bit and process that and make a song out of it? Hey, what a thought. Okay, I want to speed this up because we're, we're giving this way too much time we put more thought into these comments than eminem put into this whole album so yes. I, I what i want to do is actually fast forward to the end of the record unless you have some thoughts i just want to like shout out kilani for getting her money that's cool good for you pink's verse or pink's chorus slash verse yeah maybe the best she's done with eminem like as far as oh, putting something on wax most definitely the best she's done with eminem It sounded like a Pink song featuring Eminem. Um, which I'm cool with. Which is fine. I would have like left the Eminem verse off of it. That, that actually had the makings of a great Pink song. Shout I like that commentary. Um, 
So let's let's group together a couple things um, okay. since we're gonna fast forward. I think this grouping things works too. So I think really all that's left to talk about. So there's nowhere fast. Kalani got her money. That's a whatever song. I take it or leave it. Wasted an opportunity again to work with Kalani oh in a cool way. Oh my god, Kalani's so talented. Um, so bad husband, castle or rose. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I was gonna group for the same three. You're the man. Want to save you... wavelength, man. Okay, so bad husband. I was so surprised to hear it the first time because uh, we had said before we haven't heard kim's name in forever so i was like oh is that kim what's up kim what's going on but it's weird because that song could have been on any album he's put out since the eminem show so it was odd that it was on this one well he just to add the perspective right because he remarried her after the curtain call collection disc so that was like late right. 2000s right so like you're right um that comments a, a lot on that and so like but anytime after that so Absolutely. i think that includes like recovery and martial matters lb2 um but that that both of those statements also apply to castle and a rose yes um, but again both of those tracks could have been on any m album up until now absolutely um, well i think we can get into that but keep talking it's interesting because he just put out MMLP2 before this that a song like Bad Husband wasn't on that album, considering uh, Kim was a huge part of the first MMLP. I thought that was a missed opportunity. I thought he did a great job with the with Headlights talking about his mom on that album. And uh, that whole record could have been his last one if he wanted to, to talk about everything he's ever gone through in his career, maybe some things he regrets saying, um, where he's grown, things that he can comment on in a different place as a 40-year-old than he did as like a 26-year-old. So it's kind of odd that this song is on this album. But as a song itself, the content is solid. I think he's being very thoughtful. He's uh, being self-reflective. And I was happy to hear some update on what he thought about that relationship because, we have again, we haven't heard commentary about it in a while. And considering he later talks about his daughter that we're going to get to in a minute, I thought it was a good way to like encapsulate his thoughts on his nuclear family and just call it good. I completely agree. And um, I think it speaks to also like where M's at. And and again, the fact that he misses some of these thematic connections that like he didn't put a song like this on MMLP too. Like that, like he could have kind of closed that loop. Like, oh, here's the sequel to this album. And like, I don't hate my wife anymore. Um, she's cool. Yeah. Um, and we're messed up. <laughs> exactly. Um, Even if he still hated her at that point, which he probably didn't. There's a way to make a song about that again in a way that is more mature. Maturity is an interesting word, um, which a lot of this album lacks and then comes in heavy doses in Castle in a Rose. Um, so I'm going to be real. Be real. Um, Castle in a Rose had me like close to tearing up. Those songs are super real. They really are... Good. They are Eminem at his best. Um, you've talked about how much I like when Eminem gets a little sappy. And the fake sappy, um, arguably, I shouldn't like as much. And I agree with you. Uh, but this is but this is like that real reflection. This is like super steeped in like his real experience. Again, arguably, these songs could have been done sooner. And he's done aspects of the these experiences in different songs. So he's talked about, he's talked about his overdose in Deja Vu. He's talked about both his overdose and Proof's death in going through changes, and now he's kind of back, and he's talking about the overdose and Proof's death, but from the perspective of his daughter. 
and it's an important perspective and i'm actually really glad he revisited it in this way and also reflects on how much of a role his daughter has played in his development as a rapper and part of how he's gotten here and what he thinks of the fact that he is here and by here i mean like an important and powerful player in the hip-hop community that was beautiful i think castle anna rose should have been on recovery and they weren't which is so odd because the theme of that album was recovery and the theme of these two songs is recovery so you would think like okay i've come back from rehab i'm getting my life back on track who have i hurt isn't this the whole the process of rehab of like thinking about how your behavior has affected other people uh it seems like a great time to reflect on oh i have these two daughters where my behavior has negatively impacted them i'm talking about other ways that my life has been affected by my behavior maybe i should talk about that then so in wasted opportunity in eminem's defense so first of all he does apologize a little bit on deja vu to them okay. um and and talks a little bit about them i can't remember where else in relapse but maybe in recovery but what i'll say is i actually think that this is more well placed here in 2017 because his daughter is 20 Haley's 20 in 2010 she would have been 13 that's true so I don't think she would have been ready or able to process all of what he has to offer here. You know what? I, I, I like where you're going with that because I was going to give him credit for maybe having a different attitude, seeing how things have affected his daughter as she gets older. Except that in the songs, he isn't reading letters from this year. He's reading letters from 10 years ago or longer. So that's why I was like, if you're going to stop at 2008, you could have put that on recovery. But if you're like, because I, I thought he was going to keep going and do like, you know, 2010, 2015, 2017. And that didn't actually happen. But at the end of A Rose, right, he rewrites the last letter. He does. He does rewrite the last which, letter. That's true. Which brings in the post-2010 scope. I thought that was some sort of like wish fulfillment and not something. Like, I feel like he wrote that as a response to like, I didn't actually come through the way that I should have. So I'm going to say, I'm going to make this song as sort of like a retroactive apology slash like, this is what could have been. What do you think about that? It does. But I think that like, I mean, like him talking about flushing the methadone down the toilet, I think he did that. I think that like both physically, like physically and figuratively, he did that and that he is making a statement of kind of about like where he went actually and where he's at now and why actually like questions like is Eminem going to go on tour with this album are important because one of Eminem's fears whether he voices it now or not is that the reason he stopped touring is because the tour culture is using substances and he actually gets super anxious performing it turns out and the last thing he wants to do is put himself in a place where he's going to be tempted to use so he's going to be really careful and thoughtful um, when he thinks about whether or not to tour this album. And I think that plays into like the, how he ends things here. Absolutely. I think he said that until uh, his overdose, every show he performed, he was high, which is crazy yeah. to think about, man. I think we're kind of nearing the end of this. Um, yeah, let's wrap it up. And we've basically said that if he scrapped more than half of the album, we would have had a, what, like a 7.5 album? Sure. Yeah. Like if he scrapped half of it, but he didn't. <laughs> but he um, didn't. And so we've got a four? I'm going to call it a four and a half. 4.5. Because the love is still inside of me. Okay. We're Which him... actually, okay, so that, well, do you have any other thing you want, anything else you want to say? Because I want to ask you like a concluding question. 
Let's let's do it. Okay. Do you want to hear another Eminem album? It's a good question. I was going to propose a similar question to you. I love this. How literally should we take him when he says he's 100% done? And should we be excited? Um, or should we be sad? It's a mix of both. I'm tired of Eminem doing this and not doing it the way that I want him to. And at the same time, I respect that he does some of this for his own reasons. And I really respect that. And it's not about me. Uh, which is actually a really important perspective to remember. We are consumers of another artist's work. And just because it's not what I want doesn't mean that they don't get to put out what they want to do and to execute their um, their vision, right? So we talked a little bit, Aziz and Master of None. The end of Master of None, he's executing his vision. And you know what? As a, a critic, uh, I want to hate a little bit about like you know how he ends that. But then... Okay, we haven't as, talked about that episode yet. So I'm glad to hear you say that. And then as a consumer, I'm just like, no, that's cool, man. And as like, as someone who respects art and artists, like, you do you. I'm glad you're able to execute your vision, and I'm I'm so proud of you for being able to do it like the way that you want. Um, and so like, you know, Eminem, I don't agree with you, and I'm glad that you still feel motivated to like put stuff out. I wish you weren't micromanaged, and I hope one day you get more perspective. If you put out another album, I hope that you pause and grow a little bit before then um i was hoping for that this album <laughs> but i i hope that that is like the tra- the um trajectory it goes i hope that he stays involved in hip-hop whether or not he puts out another album that's well said i think um i have questions about how involved in hip-hop he's been period so i would say i would like him to i would like to see him get back into being involved in hip-hop even if he doesn't put out music there's a period before j dropped 444 where he was just dropping guest verses for people andre 3000 does the same thing of like he's you know peripherally around but he helps when people need it and um that can be like talking to other artists about missteps that you've made things that you can do to make better songs whether it's navigating the business side that's also helpful curating or being a gatekeeper for which white rappers come into the game would be incredibly helpful because that gate has been left unattended and we could use someone watching it um could use a bouncer we could definitely use a bouncer as far as an eminem album you make a good point because i thought about that exact same thing when it came to my expectations for the album like what can you tell an artist it's not for us to say don't do what you want to do I can say that probably from this point on, my expectations for Eminem music don't exist. One of the things I'm most upset about with this album is that I finally came around to Jay's way of thinking about the way Eminem raps about stuff. I, I, I've noticed in the last few days, having heard this album, I don't take pleasure in the uh, rapity rap 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 Eminem songs anymore. Uh, maybe that's temporary. Maybe I'm just depressed having heard this project and I'll get over it and I'll go listen to the Speedum verse again and be like, yes. But uh, that's fun when it's sort of a detour from what you're usually doing, which is why there's typically a formula with rap releases. Like when you're like a rapper's rapper, you'll put out a mixtape before your album of like, here's all my raps, guys. And the album comes out and it's like, you know, it's got hooks and sort of like a generic theme of like trying to reach over to pop audiences and things, which has its own issues, but it's worked for people. So I I don't know if I want another album, per se. I don't know what an album accomplishes for Eminem anymore. I saw the sales projections for this album, and I think it's like 
250 to 300, which is half of what MMLP did. And I think part of that is the song choices. I think part of that is his political activity this year. And part of it is relevance. So I would love to be in those meetings with Paul talking about what's going to happen after this. Maybe the tour is even more imminent because it needs the legs uh, because sales weren't good. Maybe it means there won't be a tour because people didn't listen to it that much. I don't know. I, I just hope it means something for him going forward. I don't know what change that would be, but I, I, I'm hoping that there's some some more reflection. I think Eminem always reflects on what he does. I'm hoping that people around him are reflecting also on this whole album process and where they're going to be in 2018 and moving forward from there. Well put. And I think we can kind of wrap it up there. And to answer our original question on podcast number one, is Eminem relevant in 2017? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the answer. That I think we're the at. answer is I don't know. Man. Um, he, he has this opportunity to decide the answer to that question. So true. Even though he's put out this album. 2018 is going to have zero Eminem podcasts from Brown Kids Mad Witty. I think that's fair to say. Am I right, Jay? Let's make that, let's make that our goal. New Year's resolution no more Eminem. We're going to let him be. How about some brown stuff? Yeah, let's do <laughs> that. Go figure, talking about brown rappers, because um, Lord knows they need some discussion. I mean, you know, we talked about the N-word last week, and this week we talked about a white rapper. So, you know, it's, let's move Let's move back. It's a the, spectrum. Yep. Yeah. Let's, let's swing that pendulum back yeah. the other way. All right. Let's wrap All right. it up. Cool. It's been Brown Kids. Mad Witty. We'll see you probably in 2018. Holiday season, you know. Patrick's moving to L.A. It's true. Got to move to Mank. We're going to keep the pot alive, though. Don't you worry. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays. Go hug some necks, kiss some cheeks, and uh, avoid that fruitcake. Subscribe to the podcast. Yes. Find us on iTunes, iTunes. Stitcher. CastBox. Other Android podcast apps, right. I'm sure. Got to look out for the Android users. Yeah, man. Um, also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MadWitty. You know how it's spelled because you're listening to it. And uh, we'll catch you in 2018, y'all. Love you guys. See ya. Peace.